Huh. Well, a week ago, this little segment turned stinky. What? We need to find out the biggest question of the week this week. Has the stink been discovered in Blaine Kylo's place? technological world and there probably is a technological solution to the smell of dead things but maybe we should call it a it's a pest control world blaine kylo is vancouver's best dad and there's a dead animal in your wall at least that's what you think yeah there certainly smelled like there was a dead animal last weekend like like 10 days ago and i thought there was a technical solution for this i called around thinking that somebody would have like a mini camera that they could sneak into my wall to try and uh, we isolated it had to be in the wall of the garage because we checked everywhere else and it wasn't there or maybe some kind of a x-ray machine that could look on the wall and say oh yeah, yeah. look there's the car- carcass of the creature mm-hmm. uh, apparently that only exists in the movies because yeah. it Test places that I talked to, they were like, no, nah, that doesn't exist, but we can really? poke holes in your wall. And I was like, well, I can poke holes in my wall. And once so, I established that, that it, it wasn't actually a health hazard to have a really stinky dead creature in your wall, and know. really all you needed to do was wait out the smell for a few days and then you wouldn't even notice. And a week after we first noticed the smell, it was gone. And now I don't have to think about it. I didn't have to poke holes in my wall and I didn't have to spend hundreds of dollars for nothing. Yeah. But the dry heaving risk is high in this case. Like, you know, it's really good practice for the kids though. Dry heaving to hold, to, to be able to withstand that kind of an impulse. It's excellent practice. I I guess. Well, I mean, hey, and get used to the smell in case dad ever needs to help to hide the body, I suppose, right? That's good families do. That's what they do. All right, Blaine Kylo, we are not here to talk about committing crimes. We are here to talk about technology and all the nerdy things that you love to get into. Let's get started with the gaming. Where do you want to go? Yeah, well, Assassin's Creed is all about, like, killing things and hiding the bodies. And Ubisoft's franchise is 15 years old this year. And a couple of weeks ago, the publisher announced the whole roadmap, like where they're going with the Assassin's Creed franchise. And we know that next year we're getting the next game in the main series. These are really big, expansive open worlds set in um, historic times. And Ubisoft goes out of their way to make sure that they're representing as accurately as possible that the periods of time that they're representing. So we're actually going back in Mirage, which is coming out next year, to Baghdad during the ninth century, which is kind of when the whole idea of assassins and the Hashashin came about in the first place. And that was really what inspired the franchise when it was created 15 years ago, was that part of the world in the Middle East. And so we're going back to that space. We're becoming Basim, who is a critical character in Valhalla, which was the Assassin's Creed game that came out a couple of years ago, Ubisoft's kind of starting to tie some things together in this 15-year storyline that they've created. So Mirage comes next year, 
And we know that after that is going to be another game within a couple of years that their code name read, and that's going to go to Feudal Japan. And then the next game after that, two years later, is codenamed Hex. And Clint Hawking, who most recently did Watch Dogs Legion, is the creative director of the Hex game. So we know, and Ubisoft is working on the next three games in the Assassin's Creed franchise. We're also getting a mobile action-adventure game that's free to play. It's going to be set in China. That's called Jade. And then Infinity is this whole unifying experience that Ubisoft has envisioned. It's kind of like a hub where players can launch individual games that they'll be adding to their libraries. And there will also be a a multiplayer experience that is a part of um, Assassin's Creed Infinity. So lots of things happening in the Assassin's Creed world. Not to mention the Netflix partnership, because Netflix is all in on gaming adaptations, and they are adapting Assassin's Creed with a live-action series. And Ubisoft, in return, is developing a Netflix-exclusive game for Netflix's new gaming division set in that Assassin's Creed world. So that's kind of like your next 10 years of Assassin's Creed games in a nutshell. Is it time, Blaine, that we stop thinking about video games as games that we play and just throw them into the bucket of entertainment? And I ask that question because of the amount of billions of dollars that this industry generates over and above films and TV shows. It is absolutely an entertainment industry, but it's unlike others because it's interactive. You actually play these things. You don't sit and watch them like you do with TV and movies. You don't sit and listen or sit and read like you would do with music or books. So it's an entertainment industry, yes, but it's got to be called games because there's nothing else that you play. Hmm. Very cool. Blaine Kylo, solocore.com if you want to check out his blog. Google is uh, there. Are they backing away from the online services? Yeah. Chalk this up to another product that Google launched and then abandoned. Stadia is the game streaming service that it came up with a couple of years ago. Really interesting technology. The idea here is you don't need a console. All you need is a controller and then a good enough connection to the internet that you can stream games directly from Google servers. Well, they gave up their publishing division uh, last year, and uh, last week they decided that they're actually shutting the whole thing down. So by January 18th, 2023, the entire service is being shut down. The servers are going to be gone. Anybody with a controller and account can continue to play games on their Stadia account until then. Subscription fees are not going to be recoverable. So if you paid for a subscription fee, you're not getting that back. But Google has said in an email to customers that it's going to automatically refund any purchases made on the Google store. So if you purchased a controller, if you purchased one of the Founders Edition packages, if you purchased a, a Google TV package, Google's going to refund those directly to the um, thing that you made the purchase with and they say that they should have that all wrapped up by January 18th. So at least if you purchased a bunch of stuff, you're not going to be out any coin. Hmm. Uh, that is that is kind of wild to think that they're just going to back away like that. There must be something else coming down the pike, right? I mean, how is it possible that Google walks away from that industry with so much money there? 
Well, Google walks away from things all the time, actually. This is, there's really interesting conversations about all of the things that Google has abandoned and lots of talk that it's because Google's culture rewards creating things, but does not reward maintaining and sustaining things. And so once something's been launched, the people who did that work take off, take promotions and go build something else, because that's how you show your worth in that environment. I don't know if that's true, but it's got a ring of truth. Yeah. Fascinating. All right. Uh, Blaine Kylo and one more gaming thing. This one involves your iPhone. Yeah, because Google Stadia was all about streaming games from the cloud and PlayStation gives you that too. PS Remote Play means that you can actually stream games over the internet from your home PS4 or PS5 console. Now that's great because it means that I can play these console games on my iPhone, but it's not so great because it means I've got to schlep around a controller because you can't really play a first person shooter on your phone with the touch controls. Backbone solves that by giving you essentially a case for your phone that gives you all of those controller functions. So you've got dual sticks, you've got all of the buttons. And so this controller essentially turns your iPhone into a screen with the controls on either side. So that mm-hmm. means that you can use PS Play and have all the controllers. Backbone One's PlayStation Edition comes in white. It's got button labels that mirror those that are on PlayStation's controllers. Uh, they cost 140 bucks, and they're a pretty good way to take your games with you. Uh, very cool. And also not have to buy extra screens. When I was going through security at the airport, there was a young fellow in front of me, and he had his hard case suitcase. And they say at the airport, by the way, all major large electronics, you got to take them out. And he's like, well, I can't. And he's like, well, what do you mean? He said, well, it's my video game. And he goes, well, they say just take it out. And they go, well, I can take out the PlayStation. But he can't take it out because inside the hard case was built in the TV and everything else that was in there. So, I mean... I, for me, it was strange to think that he was going on vacation and taking video games to play video games while on vacation. But this is kind of the way the, the younger generation goes. They're rolling with their games everywhere they go. Yeah, I've talked about that um, portable game system before on the show, actually, and they are very cool. And I will say that um, maybe you're not taking the system to play games when you get to the other side, but maybe you've got an eight or a 12 hour flight and there's no better way to pass the time than to be able to set that thing up on your table at your, in your airline seat uh, and play a little destiny too while you're, while you're flying through the air. Well, I think the, uh, the idea of the controller with your iPhone seems to be far more um, portable then this unit, it was pretty big, but he was sure happy and proud of it, which was cool. I admired that part. Okay, Blaine Kylo, let's get into the tech here quickly with uh, the Samsung Galaxy. What do we got? Yeah, quick hit on this. Um, the Galaxy Book 2 Pro 360, this is another one of these convertibles. So it acts as both a laptop and then you sort of flip the screen all the way around and turns into a tablet. This thing is actually really sleek. It's 12 millimeters thin. It's like under a kilogram and a half. So it's only about three pounds in weight and it gives you a 15.6 inch screen. So it seems like it's going to be really big 
And then you pick it up and you realize how thin and light it is. And it's just a delightful little Windows box computer. It's got a big enough battery in it that you can get 21 hours of video playback. So the whole idea, I was testing these things out to see whether or not they'd be great for students. A student's going to be able to take this. And if you're in class from 8 a.m. until 6 p.m., you're not going to have to try and find charging for this. It's going to get you through the entire day. And it comes with a universal fast charger. So if you do need power, you can get like almost a half a charge in about 30 minutes. And when you do fold the book to 360 in half, you've got a decent tablet for watching movies. Or if you have an S Pen from Samsung, you can actually use it to take notes and to sketch on. So the Galaxy Book 2 Pro 360, it's 1700 bucks, So it's a little more premium than the sort of $1,000 devices you're looking at. But this is a device you're going to keep with you and you're going to love carrying around. There was conversation months ago about standardizing cords in Europe. The biggest question mark was, is it going to put pressure on Apple to change theirs? The law has passed. Yeah, the answer is yes. Um, funny thing, the general understanding is that Apple was kind of in the in the early stages of making a move to doing this anyway, moving from the Lightning Cable to a USB-C. But now they're going to need to, at least in the European Union, because they decided that all mobile electronic devices, phones, tablets, e-readers, earbuds, all of them have to use USB-C connectors for charging. The idea is that this is going to reduce the amount of electric waste. It's going to improve life for consumers, so you don't have to have multiple chargers. You can have one, no matter what device you've got. Um, according to a commission that was set up by the EU, half of the chargers sold in 2018 used the old USB micro connector. Uh, 29% used USB-C and 21% had a lightning connector. So we can have all of those people using the same one. That comes into effect next year. And the idea is that EU is going to do the same thing with laptop computers next. So standardized charging solutions for all. I think that Apple will comply. All right. I look forward to that one personally. That's for sure. Blaine Kylo, solocore.com. Thank you very much, sir. Thanks, guys. See you next week.